parenting, I listed several different ways. One of them was exercise. And one of the brothers in our church approached me as he came in. Uh, we, actually, we actually intersected uh, working out at the pond here in Natomas Park. And I, didn't, I thought it was him. But you know when you think you see someone and you say hi to them by name, you come off like some sort of creep if it's not that person. So I chose not to say hi. I found out today he thought I was not a creep. He thought I was someone he recognized and didn't want to say hi either. But he was telling me, he said, Scott, I just got home from a really frustrating day at work. And I remembered the message last week about the need to refill, recharge. And so I asked my friends to drop me off at Rayleigh's. I got a coffee and I walked home. I took that 10-minute walk home and it really worked. I felt totally better by the, by the end of uh, my walk, by the time I got home. Last week, we talked about recharging your batteries. I want the next, uh, now, some 20-plus days of December for you to be times for you to recharge with family, with exercise, with recreation, connecting with God in some significant way. I want you to recharge. I want you to focus on um, on letting Jesus Christ himself recharge you. Now, this, the next step today is this idea that less is more. And I want to focus initially this morning on, on nap schedules. How many of you are like, hallelujah? Now, let me just give you a heads up. You're not on schedule for a nap right now. Okay. <laughs> But I want to ask you to listen to the napping habits of three historical figures, and I want you to pick the napping habit you personally, if your supervisor and or uh, employee handbook would allow it, I want you to select the napping schedule that you would choose personally. Okay, here they are. The first one is that of the World War II uh, leader, British leader, uh, uh, prime minister over, over parliament, uh, Sir Winston Churchill, his sleeping schedule and napping schedule was as follows. He stayed up until 2 or 3 a.m. every day, and then he went to bed, uh, awaking around 7 o'clock in the morning. That's, that's not, that, some of you, yeah, that is your schedule. But listen to what he did on top of that. After giving, getting up at 7 o'clock, he worked from bed until 11 a.m. or noon. How many of you are like, I can do that? Okay, okay. Winston Churchill, okay. Leonardo da Vinci, that Renaissance artist, was reputed to take two-hour naps wherever, whenever he got tired. Didn't matter. Regardless of the time of the day, regardless of where he was at at a project, he wasn't willing to waste an eight-hour, to waste eight solid hours of sleeping every night. And so he just took a two-hour nap whenever he wanted. Now, start asking yourself, would I, want the, would I want to do the church hill and work from bed till 11 every day? Or would I, want to, would I rather do a da Vinci and just nap for two hours whenever I felt like it? Okay? One more. Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison was a power napper. He strategically placed sleeping cots throughout his house and laboratory to accommodate 
his 20-minute naps throughout the day. So you got three options. You got Churchill, stay in bed till 11 or noon, depending upon you know, might need an extra hour every day. Monday can be a grueling day. Sometimes you need it. You've got the Da Vinci. You take a two-hour nap whenever you feel like it. Can you imagine what your an employee handbook would look like if they authorized you to do that? Employees, if they feel like they need a two-hour power nap, they get it whenever, wherever. Third option is to do the Edison, which means you have cots all over. You've got a cot next to your cubicle. You've got a cot at the, uh, the coffee station. You've got a cot, you know, in the warehouse for you in your own pathway. Which one do you want? So let's back up. How many of you would say, I'm going with the cots. I want a bed wherever I can find one. Raise your hand high. I want to do a Thomas Edison sleeping pattern. Raise your hand high. Hi, hi. Be bold. It's okay. No one's going to think on you. You're not on video. We're not going to post this. All right. Number two, how many of you would say, no, I want a Leonardo da Vinci schedule. I want to be able to take um, bursts of naps uh, for two hours anytime I want. Just anytime. Oh, like that. Okay. How many of you are going to be with me? I want you. You're doing a church chill. You're going to sleep until 11 or noon or whatever you want with your laptop, and you'll stay up as late as you want. Raise your hand high if you're with me. Golly, I, okay, okay. So the reason I asked you these questions is if these guys who were tremendously, uh, tremendously effective at their trades, and no doubt very high capacity people, I think it's a little lofty to think, wow, you could be the next Edison or the next... Uh, Churchill, but not, not actually unreasonable. Um, it's just kind of lofty thinking. I think it's good to be humble in thought. But if these guys exercised discipline with their sleeping patterns, their schedules, is it possible that a schedule has the ability to actually alter or transform our ability to produce? That a schedule in of itself has the ability to, to re-channel or redirect our energies that would make us more effective in whatever we did. Just a simple schedule change. I can tell you, personally, I've been thinking about this all week long. What schedule change works well for me? One thing I did this week, and it is hard for me to do. I feel guilty doing it. Ask Diane. But it works so well for me if I can go home and write in the quietness of my home. But I feel so guilty. Not a lot of people get to go work from home. And yet I did it and I got, I worked three times as faster. Sometimes these scheduling decisions are hard to make. I, I think they're uneasy. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not trying to make you feel jealous that I can go home for a few hours during the week. I mean, that's, but, but, but I know that sometimes making scheduling changes can, can create a lot of guilt. One scheduling change I love for my wife to make is often on Saturdays, it, it happens a few times a year, it needs to happen more. Whenever my sons take the SAT in Rockland, she, her girlfriend lives in Lincoln, they always connect somehow. And my wife comes home recharged, refueled, just full of life. I love that scheduling change to happen so that when she's with her girlfriend, she gets recharged. What I'm after this morning is what is it, as it relates to your schedule, that if you made an alteration or change, 
it would bring out the best in you, the person that you were born to be in the next 25 days. I want to know what it is. Now, one great example we have from American history is John Grisham. Uh, John Grisham, actually, uh, the novelist, was an attorney who hated his job. He wanted to become an author, but he didn't know where to begin. Finally, he decided to start writing a one-word message to himself on the early morning squares of his monthly calendar. Grisham said to himself, I'm going to get to work 60 minutes early each day, and I'm going to write just one page per day. And that's what he did. He started getting up one hour earlier during the week and showing up at his desk an hour before the normal start time at his firm. He began writing, and he kept writing, and today he's one of the most prolific and appreciated novelists of our day. That's the power of a single written word on a schedule that is lived out. Folks, simplified living is about identifying in the next month what is your word. What word, if entered on your Gmail calendar with a weekly or daily or monthly repetition or even something that you'll set out in the calendar this winter, this spring, or this summer would have a dramatic impact on your well-being and on your personal experience with Jesus Christ. Simplified living is about more than doing less. It's about who God called us to be, says Bill Hybels. With a wholehearted, single-minded focus, it's walking away from innumerable lesser opportunities in favor of the few to which we've been called and for which we've been created. It's a lifestyle that allows us, when our heads hit the pillow at night, to reflect, rather to reflect with gratitude that our day was well invested with the varied responsibilities of our lives being in order. The question I have this morning is, what word is God prompting you to add to your schedule? Now, I want to challenge you to do something that I think is hard. I want to challenge you, if you brought your smartphone this morning, and if you use a, an online calendar, I want to challenge you to take it out right now. Big challenge. This, this will be hard. At least it was for me. It's taken me five days. And I didn't finish till this morning at about one in the morning. So I'm asking you to, to do something that I myself did. I challenge you, take your smartphone out and, 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 and open your calendar if you use a smartphone calendar and just leave it open. Because I'm going to propose several words this morning that the Holy Spirit may be asking you to enter onto your calendar that will help bring Christ in you out more than ever in the next 30 days. Now, let me begin by, by saying that one of, the, one of my favorite stories to hear at Adventure is when someone hasn't had a chance to attend services they come to me and they'll tell me, hey, Scott, I got to tell you, we were out of town. We attended this church in Oregon, in Washington, in Southern California, and God really spoke to me. I mean, it was riveting, and this is the message. 
when I hear that, I get so excited because I'm like, wow, that, that is so cool. You could be on vacation. You could be on a road trip, a getaway. And just because you're not in Natomas where you have familiar music and familiar, uh, a familiar pastor or pastors, you prioritize getting away and still worshiping the Lord on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night, which is a great, a great alternative. When I hear that, I, I get so excited because I sense your devotion, and I got to tell you what I think is so important about it. Let me repeat what is so important about your prioritizing going to a worship service even when you're out of town. Guess who's watching more than anyone? Anyone want to guess? God? Absolutely. That was the first one. I didn't even think of him. Sorry, Lord. Your children, kids, I heard both of it. The standard you set, the standard you set for your children when you're vacationing, when you're away, is the standard that they're going to do their best to follow. And I want to ask you this morning if if you feel the way I do. When I'm on vacation, or I'm not speaking on a Sunday morning, and somebody else is, which I think is good for our congregation, for me not to be the only guy, but... I got to tell you that it is with almost anxiety or nervousness that I come in to listen because I'm like, God's going to tell me something. Because here I spend hours and hours every week preparing a message, and now it's my turn to sit down and shut up and listen. You know what I mean? And so on, on a Sunday when I'm not speaking, I'm not nervous. I'm just like, Lord, what do you have for me? Oh, this, oh, this, that, that. and then all of a sudden, whew, yes, thank you. I can't wait because I know the Lord's going to speak to me. I pray that in your home that you have this anticipation that when you're away, when you come on a Sunday morning, you're going to hear from Jesus Christ. Somehow his spirit, the spirit of Jesus, as he's described in the book of Acts, is going to speak to your heart in some way. And it's going to move you. It's going to go from your, 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 your head to your heart to your, to your limbs. Folks, this morning I want to ask you, is church attendance on your calendar. Now, I know some of you are like me. What do you mean, is it on my calendar? Uh, we, we, we don't miss a service. We don't miss a Sunday. What do you mean, is it on my calendar? I think if we don't get it on our calendar, so easily so many other exciting, fun activities can make their way onto our Sunday calendar. Can, can they not? Don't you feel the squeeze from culture? Don't you feel the squeeze from our economy? And, and you know, how many times have you ever heard me talk about church attendance in 11 years? Dan, you've been here for 11. How long have I talked about this? Thank you, never. Here's why. I'm a Southern Californian. I was raised on the beach. When people asked me to be in church every Sunday, it creeped me out. Okay? I'm like, dude, relax, you know? But at this age, just 10 years later, in my mid-20s, I, am, <laughs> I can tell you that the reason I go to church is I want to worship the Lord and I want to hear from Him. And if you can't make it here on a Sunday because your schedules are tough, and I realize you're not alone. You, you have perhaps... Uh, uh, a, a spouse that may or may not be interested in going. Those are tough situations. 
But I want to give you alternatives. There are Saturday night services in our region that are great. Adventure of Roseville has one. Bridgeway has one. Bayside has one. I've gone to those if for some reason I'm out of town on a Sunday. Why? Is it because I feel like if, if I don't, I'm going to get a spanking from the Lord? No. I feel like I'm not going to hear from him. And then it's two weeks since I've really heard from him. You might say, Pastor, you're, you're, being a little, uh, you're being a little ridiculous this morning. I don't think so. What was Jesus' habit? What did he say? On the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. The synagogue, it means a gathering. It's the sunagego. That's the Greek word. It means to gather. They, that was their church. He, he was regular. I don't want to miss hearing the voice of God. Here's, here's my biggest fear. It's not... It's not my generation. My biggest concern is if I'm not keeping a standard that my kids are watching, that my grandkids will watch someday, they're going to do what I do and perhaps be tempted to do a little bit less. I want to keep a high standard. Not out of law, but because I want to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you need to add church attendance to your schedule? And some of you might say, gosh, I hate coming because i got to dress up. Really? <laughs> Come on. Not here you don't. Come in your PJs. I don't care. I mean, I'd like them to be full body, but come. Okay? I'm serious. We don't care. Come in sandals. I, we're not sensitive. Look at me. Does this look really that fancy? Really? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Okay. The other question I have for you in your calendar that since I just spent the majority of my message on that point, I only have 20 left. Uh, just kidding. The other question I have for you is related to this chair, to your left, my right. This chair is symbolic of the time that I want on my calendar. It may be, your word may be church attendance. Your word also may be the chair. And the chair for me is the place where I go in the morning to just chillax. And to open the Bible, I do a read-through-the-Bible plan. It's on our website. I've said this for years. I do it because I need it. It's not part of my study preparation. It's to help me be a good Christian. Because I need it every day, just like I need a good, healthy, non-fat, fruit, uh, flaxseed yogurt every morning. I need it. And by the way, this is my lamp. This is the favorite lamp in my house. I love this lamp. It makes me feel smart. And this is a cute little table my wife and I bought at a cool place called Gypsies in Lincoln. If you ever want cheap, cool furniture, it's there. And this is Mr. Gott's chair from the art room. We're going to return it. But this is a book I've started doing alongside my Bible reading plan. I think it's cool. It's written by Sarah Young, and it's called Jesus Calling. Any of you do this? Man, it's touching your heart, isn't it? Raise your hand. Look at all the hands that are up on that. So... It's not, it, and it's, it's 10 minutes, it's sometimes more, a half hour, it just depends on, on how well I've spiritually eaten, but do you need to enter on your calendar church attendance or I need to spend some time in that place in my home that's like a sanctuary for me? I need to get that on my calendar because I don't do that. It's spiritually, you'll hear even people that are non-believers will say that's important. I'm not kidding. You know, there's a high percentage of atheists that pray. Don't know why, but 
There's something about that that's transforming. Lowers your stress level, helps you think clearly, okay? Real critical. Do you need to add the chair? Why? Jesus set the example. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. If Jesus, the Son of God, saw prayer as a high value, then, wow, do I ever need it? And for me personally, I have sensed that I need more. As workloads get tougher, as decisions become more challenging, I, and, the, and the volume, the noise of life is more distracting, I need more time. Do you need to add a date night or a getaway to your schedule? <clears throat> Let me ask again. I think I heard a child just amen back there. Do you need to add? This is number two. Do you need to add a date night or a getaway to your schedule? Let me suggest one of the first getaways during Christmas was that of Joseph and Mary. Look at the awkwardness of this. They're engaged to be married. She's pregnant. They're on a 70-mile trip to Bethlehem, and it's got to be awkward. Here it is, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So here's my question. They're going to get married. She's pregnant. They're going home to all their extended family. Do you hold hands on this date? I mean, you're like, okay, how many? And she's pregnant. Can, how, can you tell yet? I don't know. But it's awkward. Do you, do, you, do you already have a story ready? Do you tell that story? I don't know. Do you just... Does Joseph just say, hey, man, stone me. Just blame me. I cannot. The other story you'll never believe, so just take me out. What do you do? I don't know, but I think it was a great getaway for the two. They never forgot about it. It was an adventure. It was fun. When my wife and I got married, our first, my idea of romanticism on our honeymoon, we stayed at the uh, Edwardian Inn in Helena, Arkansas. Cute little you Victorian home. And then I thought, let's go camping. Did not go well. Caught a little of my hair on fire trying to light the fire. It didn't go well. But it was an adventure that we still talk about. We've never camped since. I'm not kidding. Not the two of us. I think when Joseph and Mary went up, it was a great getaway for the two of them. Let me ask you. Does your calendar, if you're married, do you have a getaway planned without the kids in 2015? Just one. A getaway to Lodi. A getaway to Napa. A getaway to Tahoe. Let's get it on the calendar. Do you need to add it? Uh, some of my good friends who do a lot of research in marriage and have, or have been married a long time say once or twice a year is ideal. I know twice sounds ridiculous. Gets a little easier as the kids get older. Do you have a getaway plan? Do you need one? How many, how many of you... How many of you married would say, need to get away? That needs to happen in 2015, 
Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Keep those hands up. That's a lot of folks. I want to challenge you to get it on the schedule. A date night. Date nights are tougher, I think. They just kind of happen. You want to cook? No. You want to, you want to do dishes? No. Let's go to Belle Brew. <laughs> you want to cook? No. You want to do dishes? No. Let's go to Wendy's. It's more about just being together. These are easy to talk about. I want to share one that's, I think, a little more difficult to talk about. I want you to hear from Brian Parker, one of our beloved brothers at Adventure. When I used to think about Christmas, I always thought about the holiday blur. I was distracted, frantic, stressed, and frankly just exhausted. The funny thing is, these aren't the words you hear sung in Christmas carols or printed on Christmas cards. But they illustrate one of the main reasons why I used to dread Christmas. The pace. The truth is, hurry had always been part of my daily reality. Distractions were relentless. And that had never been more true than during Christmas. Every Christmas I was book solid and I'm kind of ashamed to admit that I, that I wore my busyness as a badge of honor. We had Christmas parties, holiday brunches, dinner with friends, family, and neighbors, and just tons of shopping and packing to do before jumping on a plane to fly halfway across the world to be with family. Looking back on it now, it was just absolute chaos. What I didn't fully understand back then was that every time I said yes to some sort of Christmas event, that meant that I had to say no to something else. I learned the hard way that I was really wasting precious moments in the midst of that daily blur. When my dad told me his liver was failing, I was naturally very shocked and scared. But my dad reassured me that there was no need to panic and that he was going to be okay. Although he needed a new liver, his doctor said that he had more than enough time to find a donor before it was too late. So I cautiously continued my daily grind, but I just made sure that I included a few extra visits just in case. On a routine visit to his house, I discovered him unconscious and immediately called for an ambulance. The doctors did everything they could, but it was just too late. So the family gathered together, spent our last few moments with him holding his hand until he passed away. It was the middle of December, and for the first time it hit me that I would never spend another Christmas with him again. It completely broke my heart. For the next few weeks, all I remember was that feeling of tremendous regret. I wasted so much time, and I wanted nothing more than to turn back the clock and spend every waking second with him. It was through that experience that I made dramatic changes to the way I spent my time. I cut out a lot of the unnecessary distractions in my life and made spending time with family my single most important priority. I never wanted to feel that kind of regret again. Saying no to the hurry pace of the holidays and slowing down to be fully present to the people that I love was 
honestly the best decision I ever made. Christmas is supposed to be about the simple things. Faith, love, family. Perhaps the best gift my dad ever left me was helping me to realize just how precious the simple things really are. Thank you, Dan. Isn't that beautiful? It's Brian Parker. Brian's a A-type personality. He can, he can, he's a very, very hard worker. Just got a new job. We're really excited for him. But his priority is, is home. And that, that may be the word you need to put in on your phone, on your Gmail calendar, on your uh, Windows calendar. I need to be home. Maybe it's home. Maybe it's not church attendance. Maybe it's not the chair. Maybe it's, I just need to spend more time at home. And home may not always be a joy for you, but with some work and prayer, it could be. Remember what they said about Jesus' home. Isn't this the carpenter's son? of Jesus? Isn't his mother's name Mary, and aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and aren't all his sisters with us? Well, that's a, that's a family of at least seven children Jesus was raised in, and it was a great home to be in. Maybe yours is home. I'm going to move quickly here. Maybe the word you need to add to your calendar, it's the one I'm working on. This is mine. It's work. I had a great work week this week for a lot of different reasons. I got to meet with a couple that was having to make a very tough decision with their, um, their, their 20-something. I got to meet with a single that's, having to, that's facing a, a, very, a very scary dilemma. To be trusted with those confidential matters is such an honor. I got to pray with Caleb uh, uh, Cook before he went in for surgery at Shriners where he was able to get surgery on his elbow last week. And I got to uh, uh, enjoy spending time in the Word and getting ready for this, for this weekend. But I, I'm just like you. I want to get better at what I do. And so I've looked at my calendar and my schedule thinking, what can I do to be my best? I've entered work, my work hours, my best working hours in my schedule. What do you need to do? Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. What that says to me is if you sign an employee handbook that says, hey, this is when I'm going to be at work. This is what I'm going to deliver. These are the guidelines I'm going to follow. I'm going to give my strongest yes to those. I'm not going to cut corners. I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to be honest on all my reporting. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Jesus said anything in addition to that is from the evil one. If in your work you need to make some adjustments, if you're thinking, hey, I'm not in the right fit, the, the scope of my work could be better. Well, last week I said, start praying about it. Ask the Lord to give you a change. The change I got this year was Craig Whitney. He's freed me to use my gifts in other areas so he can use his gifts where I'm not as strong. Maybe that kind of change is coming your direction. Maybe you need to add work somehow to your schedule. Fourthly, Maybe you need to add a family vacation to your schedule or recreation. I got to tell you, this week on Facebook, go to Lauren Dittmore's site. He modeled what I've been talking about, recreation. It flooded in their neighborhood in Oak Park. You know, Lauren has a great ministry in Oak Park. By the way, Lauren did give me permission, Gracie, to share this, I think. Uh, 
they, their, their area flooded, and what they did, Lauren and Rochelle, they, they brought their trailblazer SUV out, and they tied a long rope to it, and they put tubes on it, and Lauren was pulling his family around the neighborhood in Oak Park in, in 18 inches of water. It was awesome. Go to his Facebook. You'll get to see it. Are you going to prioritize a family vacation this summer? The Matthews went to San Clemente last year. We're going to the beach somewhere again. May not be San Clemente. It might be, might be out here in Half Moon Bay or something. I want to go again, but not for a week. I want to go for two weeks. Might be in a tent, but we're going to do it. That's where we really re- refuel. I want to challenge you this month. Get it on the schedule. Get it on the calendar. Talk about it today. We're going to do that vacation we've always talked about. Do it. We've got a lot of families in our church that do lots of cruises. Lots of cruises. I think it's great. Keep it up. I think Joseph and Mary got to do a trip that wasn't even planned. I think sometimes God does this. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take that child and his mother and go to Egypt. Sounds like a fun flight. They didn't get to fly. Sometimes God makes it possible for us to get away. He did that for Joseph and Mary. Lastly, does the following need to be added to your calendar? A workout. A synonym for that word is exercise. Do you need to start walking? Do you need to get in a pool? Do you need to lift a weight? Do you need, are you uncomfortable right now with me talking about this? (laughs) Here's, Here's why I finally started working out 10 years ago. I didn't want to be disqualified from my job. You know, you can get so heavy that you can't handle stress as well. I weighed 245 pounds at one time. That's a, that's a big boy for 5'9". Yeah, I, I recall requiring a little crane system to help me get up out of the couch at one time. I'm not kidding. The Apostle Paul said this, I beat my body and make it slave so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Don't you, don't you want to stay on the field? Don't you want to stay on the court? Don't you want to be in the game? It means taking care of your body. So I challenge you to do something today. I think this is hard. I gave you several words. Here they are. I want you to put one of them on your calendar today. One. One word. Church attendance. A chair. A date night. You treasuring your... Your wife, your husband, a getaway, just you and him. Your home, being home. Your work, family vacation, or recreation. If you need help, see Lauren, or a workout. See, I think when we, when we put stuff like this on our schedule... It has the ability to transform who we are, our character, when we put our work on the schedule. The question isn't, what do I want to get done in the next 30 days? The question is, who do I want to become in the next season of my life? You want to become a pilot? Get it on your schedule. You want to learn to sail? Get it on your schedule. 
Schedules have the power to transform us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for a season where we don't have to be focused on anything less than your son Jesus and his priorities for our life. Lord, thank you that Christmas, the word of Christmas is Emmanuel. God is with us. If you're here today and you've not understood Christmas, that's what it is. God sent his son in the form of a child. That whoever would believe in his son that he allowed to be crucified for our sins and raised from the dead would have everlasting life. God's word is Emmanuel. It's still his word, Emmanuel. He's still with us. He wants to be close to you, but you have to open your heart to let him in. Have you made that decision to say, Emmanuel, I want you in me. I want to know that presence. I want to have a relationship with you. If you haven't, I challenge you right now from where you're seated to simply say, God, you be with me. You be with me. I accept your son, Jesus Christ, and his death for my sins. I want a relationship with him. And if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to acknowledge your decision very privately. Would you just raise your hand? Anybody? Anybody? Raise your hand. Let me celebrate. Praise the Lord, ma'am. Anybody else? Anybody else? Praise the Lord, ma'am. Sir, praise the Lord. Emmanuel, this Christmas. Lord, be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.